How you doing? How you been? Welcome back to the Space with Spo show. Today's episode is brought to you by Space with Spo, the only place on the internet where you can get space news with unfiltered original comedy. I got a great episode planned for you guys today. I was joined by Robin, the chief of Supercluster, on the day that Jeff Bezos went to space. I mean, does it get any better than that? So go ahead and sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. The dash is digi, the schedule busy, my head in a hoodie, my shorty a goodie, my cousins are crazy, my cousins like boogie, life is amazing, it is what it should be, been here for 10 but I feel like a rookie, I tell her look up cause it's snowing in Tussies, but for three years man you can't even book me, it's me and little baby that going crazy. Live from Easy Murray Hill, Manhattan, you are now listening to Space with Spell. All right, so we're live now. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest with us here today. He is the chief of supercluster.com. Please give a very warm welcome to Robin Seemingle. Thank you so much, Chris. So Robin, first question of the day, how you doing? How you been? Well, uh, you just got me fresh from vacation. Uh, spent some time in California. Went to uh, Joshua Tree. Uh, did all the California things. It was really fun. Ate some fish tacos. And now I'm back. I left for vacation the day uh, Richard Branson went to space. And now I'm back on the day that Jeff Bezos has gone to space. Well, welcome back. We're so lucky to have you here, especially on the day that Bezos went to space. I mean, when we planned this, I don't think we had the official date that he was going yet. And I looked back on my calendar. I'm like, oh, my God. I, we got Robin, the chief of Supercluster, the day that space is popping everywhere. I mean, it's all over the news, and we'll get into that. But, Robin, why don't you start? You know, this is a whole new audience that you're speaking to right now, right? A lot of these people might not know what Supercluster is or, you know, they're not involved in the space industry as much as we are. Why don't sure. you give people a little background on who you are and what you do? Sure. Well, uh, I was born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens, um, lived in New York my whole, most of my life. Um, I uh, became a writer. I started as a beat journalist for uh, the New York Observer, for Wired Magazine. I freelanced at Popular Mechanics, Popular Science, um, and I was a regular on the BBC. Um, I did most of my work from Kennedy Space Center down in Florida, um, and I've been covering the space beat uh, since late 2014. My first mission was watching SpaceX tried to land on the drone ship the first time. Wow. Um, they failed and failed a few more times after that. Um, but yeah, I've been covering SpaceX in person since then. And up until uh, my last mission was crew uh, DM2, I think. Yeah, DM2, uh, the first human launch. Wow. So yeah, I've been doing that. And uh, um, around right after the first Falcon Heavy, um, A24, the movie studio, approached me about starting a new project, um, something that was along the lines of an experimental media project to get space to more people, to more markets, to new audiences, and uh, even the education market. So we thought about how to do that. Um, one of the ways was starting a company that did editorial, but features, um, not really news, um, but more like in-depth stories, human stories, and build utilities to help people help themselves in a way, not give them information, but provide tools and apps so they can discover information. Because hmm. um, we, you know, in the field, you learn a lot. Um, I've done a lot of work in the uh, in schools and, and talks like that. And um, telling people information, it doesn't really stick. Um, 
telling them or teaching them how to get that information themselves, providing the tools to do so, is far more effective. Um, so Supercluster has built Launch Tracker that keeps you up to date with every launch happening around the world, including this morning's Blue Origin launch. Um, we've also built an astronaut database, which was an extraordinarily hard mission and with a very small team um, to gather that data. This did not exist before. Um, we wanted to build not just a database, but an interactive software that is fun for people to use um, and kind of addictive in a way, uh, discovering new things. Um, and we also, our most recent product, uh, I say product, but everything is free, um, free to use. There's no advertising. Um, Dropbox partnered with us to build an ISS dashboard, which is just uh, shows you which modules um, are there, which spacecraft are docked to the space station, which astronauts are living aboard the space station. And, um, you know, there's going to be more information added. We're adding a schedule to it right now and uh, little things like that. So, yeah, that's my elevator pitch. I know it's pretty long, but Supercluster, you know, we build stuff. We tell stories. We partner with celebrities sometimes, which is fun. Um, we were started by uh, an Oscar-winning uh, movie studio and uh, an incredible design agency called Grand Army. Uh, they are one of the top creative agencies in the world. Uh, their clients are uh, the who's who of who's who. And um, we're blessed to have those two components as our like genesis. And uh, I have to say, our, uh, I feel that we've been successful in what we've been doing. I would say so too. I mean, when I found you guys a year ago, I was immediately addicted from the jump. Now, guys, Robin's name rings bells in the space industry, okay? A lot of people know Robin. Robin, have you always been a space guy? When did this love for space start? Uh, I actually went to aviation high school in Long Island City, which oh you God. probably know about. Yeah, um, that's where I, I lived by JFK Airport oh, growing wow. up in Queens. Uh, I lived there. Um, I would say... I was born in Brooklyn and my parents moved to Queens when I was like nine years old and our house was right by JFK airport. So I lived under a flight path, of course. Um, I saw one of the last Concords, I think uh, a couple of years before they retired it. And uh, aviation was just an interest for me. I love space also, I love space exploration. Thought we'd be a little further along as a kid. Um, and I think that's something that a uh, notion I share with a lot of people. Um, especially Elon Musk. But um, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know how I'd end up here. I knew that I would. I just didn't know how or what the avenue would be. Um, I do have a fun story I can share. I, I almost diverted from the path quite a few times. Um, and it's when, you know, SpaceX explodes or something back in the day when Amos 6 happened, CR7 happened. A lot of people on the outside would be like, listen, you got to change careers. You got to do this. You got to do that. And at the time, no one was covering space. No one cared to cover it that much. There was no real budget behind it. And what year you was know, this around? Full time. I'd say 2016. That's when Amos 6 happened. Um, for, for those who don't know, Amos 6 was the, is that a space launch pad explosion? That, yeah. yeah, that was the, okay. Yeah. So I broke that story. At least okay. one of the people that broke it. Um, and because uh, I was nearby. <laughs> and I had friends call me from inside the base immediately. I was on the radio in Bogota, Colombia. Um, I had just broke a big SETI story a couple of weeks before, and I was still doing interviews about it. And I was on the radio in Colombia, and I saw a phone call coming in from a friend who worked at a launch pad nearby to SpaceX's at a competing company. 
and uh i'm not gonna say who because you know but anyway uh my friend called me and when i saw they weren't even really my friends i had just met this person at a bar like a week before so they weren't my friends and i barely knew them but they were calling me at 9 a.m and i was like i just exchanged numbers with this person it's a work day i think it was tuesday and i was on the radio live and i saw my cell phone ringing with this person that I just met who works there. And I was like, my brain deduced it immediately that something could be going wrong at Kennedy and they're letting me know about it. And that's what it turned out to be. Um, when I answered the phone, they said the sentence to me, the Falcon 9 has just exploded on the launch pad. I tweeted that sentence and it went like, that's was the story breaking. Blew up. So yeah, yeah. Well, before that, Chris, People didn't uh, want to uh, embrace me as a space reporter. Um, so was I was, yeah, no one, uh, none of the other space reporters uh, would follow me on Twitter. I wasn't verified at the time. Um, so yeah, it was kind of hard to break into the community. Uh, no one took me seriously, which I was, I was a shitty reporter to start off with. I was, I was learning. I was starting to learn the ropes. I wish more people mentored me, but you know, that's whatever I, you know, I mentor people now because I wish people had back then. Uh, but yeah, it was a, a rough and tumble into the community. But when uh, you tweet something like that, they have to pay attention to you. Oh, yeah. And I th- I owe one to, uh, is it Brian Selter or Stelter? I don't, I don't remember his name. But uh, he works at CNN. And uh, he retweeted me. And that gave me uh, some credibility. All right, we just had a quick audio issue, but we are back. The last question I asked you, Robin, is how did you stay motivated during that 10-year span where we had no way to get to the International Space Station? Everybody basically hated space because they didn't see any successful rocket launches. How did you stay motivated then? Oh, man, hope. Um, And like the emerging commercial industry really did paint sort of a prosperous future. Um, and they were convincing and some of those projects have seen the light of day eventually, obviously, um, some more than others. I think back then the narrative was, okay, guys, the commercial, uh, spaceflight era is right around the corner. Um, human spaceflight aboard privately developed and operated vehicles is right around the corner. Um, one thing that kept me going was Falcon Heavy. Because it was such an awesome idea and just the raw power associated with what they were pitching with that rocket. And also at the time, Starship didn't really exist outside of a you know, napkin drawing. Mm-hmm. So Falcon Heavy was going to start launching those first Mars missions for SpaceX, not crew, but cargo. So that was something, you know, we were looking at things around the corner, James Webb. Um, and there were cool things to look forward to at the time, New Horizons you know, discoveries coming from Jupiter, Saturn, you know, photos. And I, there are things besides human spaceflight to be excited about. Um, But the hope of what was coming around the corner um, and, you know, the space industry, it's everything is always a couple years away. And in hindsight, it was 10 years away. You know what I mean? It's (laughs) like, you're always like, we waited for Falcon Heavy for seven years. We waited for SpaceX's first crude launch for seven. You know what I mean? Just you always just end up waiting and you fill the time by telling interesting stories or finding that interesting story. 
there were stories that I were attached to closely, just like SpaceX, where I visited regularly uh, Orion. I visited Orion all the time. I wrote about Orion all the time. I reported on Sierra Nevada Dream Chaser. Um, I reported name, on different things. Yeah, so I reported on different things. I found different stories. Uh, I was the, one of the few space reporters that wrote about UFOs and UAPs, Love which that. Chris and I are going to talk about later. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think that's an important story, which you know, Chris. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I wrote about that stuff, which brought in traffic, which oh, was yeah. great. Um, funny story. One of my SETI or UFO stories netted me a really big bonus, which Jared Kushner was forced to pay out. Really? Yeah, because he was my publisher uh, at the New York Observer. And wow. uh, I think I broke the bank. It was something like $9,000 or something. Woo! Yeah. Come on now. Um, I, brought in, I brought in like millions. I was, I mean, I'm not bragging, but I am. I was the, you know, one of their heavy hitters at the New York Observer. And Let's that was go. space coverage. That was space coverage. I love that. So, um, which was fun to do. There was other people there who were amazing and getting a lot of traffic too, also doing space coverage. So um, the New York Observer, a boutique magazine in New York City that is mostly known for Sex in the City, that's where that column was, suddenly became the one of the frontline space uh, magazines operating in the country for a couple of years. That's incredible. Um, but when, yeah, when Kushner ran with, uh, you know, the campaign and all that for his uh, father-in-law, our traffic went over a cliff, like universally at the New York Observer. So I went over, I went over to Wired Magazine and um, I did my first print at Wired, which was covering the first landing of a Falcon 9 rocket. Wow. So that was, uh, that was what made, uh, you know, that, that made me feel like I achieved at least um, the first stage of being a space reporter. So what do you mean on your Twitter when you say you're a design and PR consultant to the space industry? Why don't you tell my sure. listeners a little bit more about that? Sure. Well, aside from running Supercluster and, you know, our publishing and everyone at Supercluster does everything. So me, Jamie Carrero, Eric Collins, um, his partners at Grand Army, uh, everyone does everything because we're a very small crew um, and we were all put together because we all have a bunch of different skills. So um, we each wear different hats, um, but soon we're going to be announcing a new sort of company. And Ooh. yeah. And uh, here first, ladies and gentlemen, you yeah, heard. Him. Yeah, we haven't really talked about this yet, um, but it's going to be public soon. And the space industry already knows because they're our clients. Um, so we're going to be launching this project called Space Agency, and it's going to be its own sort of company separate from Supercluster that offers uh, creative services to the space industry. And when I say creative services, I mean, um, let's say you need an ad, a, a film, like a short film or an explainer video, or you need a new website, or you need a poster or anything. You need help with messaging. Um, we can do that. Um, Talking points, um, public relations crisis is something that I bring to the table too. Um, I've been working with the space industry for a couple of years now, advising here and there on different things, mostly messaging, m m you know, things that follow along PR consulting. Do we say this? Do we say that? Um, I've held media events for different organizations and companies. 
I don't want to get too granular, but when we launch our website for our new company in a couple of weeks, we will have an established list of current and past clients. Um, I can talk about one Virgin Orbit. They were our first um, outside of Dropbox because Dropbox was really our first partner to invest in our company and like, you know, give us money to make content, which we're really grateful for. Um, but Virgin Orbit was the first sort of space industry organization that said, hey, your team is really great at making films and making that. Can you make us one? And we were like, well, we didn't set out to do that really. Um, not, not in the immediate, but we're really grateful that they saw the talent and we do really have world-class filmmakers at Supercluster and animators and editors and, um, you know, Jamie, you know, Jamie Carrero, um, who is our, you know, lead creative at Supercluster. Um, has filmmaking experience on, you know, major films and major brands. And, you know, I bring a lot of research. I bring a think tank uh, to Supercluster um, and my community of, uh, and my network of people um, that have helped on the project and have contributed to the project. Grand Army brings this high class design to Oh, yeah. The every day of Supercluster, like mission everything you see, yeah. yeah, everything you guys see, our mission patches, our posters, um, the aesthetic of Supercluster comes from Grand Army. Um, and like I said, they've worked with the world's top brands. They, they created the A24 logo. That's why these two companies built Supercluster together, because they've been partners since day one um, in terms of their aesthetic. And uh, that is a logo is everything. I'm so, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's everything. It's, it's, it's a symbol. Symbols are really important in our world. And especially when, uh, you know, embracing a narrative and continuing that narrative, a logo and an icon is very, very important. I love the Supercluster logo. It clearly uh, plays off the A24 logo a little bit and uh, uh-huh. Grand Army style. Um, so we're really proud of it. Um, we actually, we put out a t-shirt with the logo just a few weeks ago and a ton of people bought it. We didn't think anyone was gonna buy it cause it's just a super cluster logo, but um, people did buy it. So if you're listening, thank you uh, for purchasing our super cluster shirt. Yeah, and guys right now go to www.supercluster.com and you'll see what we're talking about. And hey, Robin, I think this is a good time of the show to show you. Does this look familiar right here? Yes, it does. You guys took it down though. You're not okay. selling it anymore. I got um, one of the only copies. Hold on. It's the Space sold out. Jam logo it's with the supercluster in it. It's just yeah. too clean. Too clean. Um, it's sold out immediately. And I'm so sorry. Okay. I'm thinking about doing a second run. Drop it. Um, drop but no it, guarantees. Baby. I know. I know. And if Chris, if you own one and you're telling me that it's okay to release it again, um, because we do want these to be somewhat limited. So because uh, they're they're pieces of art and um we we love them. We love merchandise. Um before my time in space, Chris, I came from Disney and I worked in operations and merchandising and stuff. So I, I have a merchandising bug in me. Um, and I, and so does Grand Army and uh, everyone else on our team. And uh, you'll always see cool stuff like that. We, we had this design banked for three or three and a half years now. No way. So we were just waiting for the perfect moment. And of course, Space Jam is back in theaters, a sequel, which I hear is not great, unfortunately. So um, I don't know. I'm going to watch it on HBO Max very soon. 
but yeah, man, thank you for supporting us. Um, when you purchase, if you like real quick, you don't see pop-up ads on our site. You don't get ads of any kind on our site. There's not, we don't steal your data. We don't do anything like that. Our app is free. There's no ads on the app. Um, if you want to support Supercluster, buy something really dope for yourself. Our patches are cheap. Our patches are cheap. They're like 10, 15 bucks. You can buy a set. The posters are um, sick too. And, and I do, we do keep them limited. So when you're buying something and you know, Supercluster, we're a frontline agency. We are, we are embedded in the space program. We are there when everything is happening. The space community and space industry are our partners. Know that when we put out a product, that product has, it has, has been already been seen by the eyes of the people who matter and the people, we don't put something out that is not like got the thumbs up from the people we want thumbs up from, That's you know nice. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so like we just know that your product is coming from the place you hoping it's coming from. And it's also coming from our hearts because we do put a pour a lot into everything that we do here. Yeah. And that's like the new way to like make a lot of money online. You see the, I'm not sure if you know what the Nelk boys are, but these internet celebrities on YouTube basically have this line of clothing called full send. And what they do mm -hmm. is they only have limited drops. So they'll right. only put it out. And once it's gone, it's gone forever. And it kind of gives I mean, you that incentive. That's art. Yeah. That's art. Yeah. And that's the way it should be. Um, yeah, Cause we're not just, we're not just factory lining products for y'all. It's yeah. we're making special things. Um, I love, I love little trinkets. I love little things. Um, I have a million things on my desk. Can I just show you a couple of things that I have? Yeah, yeah, let's just go. Land by. This um, can be on YouTube, baby. Um, this is, this is a, a little stress ball from the NASA Orion team. Oh, that's great. Which, yeah, that's stressful. Um, I love things like here's a coaster from James Webb. Okay. I do have a lot of James Webb swag because- yeah, You seem like a James Webb guy. Well, I one of my closest friends is uh, working as part of the team. So um, I do get some swag here and there. Um, I'm a big uh, comic book guy. I know you had Brandon on the show recently. I did, my last episode. Which, so Bra which, yeah, which Brandon- Shout uh, out Brandon. Yeah, Brandon, um, one of my favorite entertainment reporters ever, probably one of the best. Um, I follow him for Marvel stuff. Um, Same. And in that, uh, I would say this is going to piss off other people at the Observer, but uh -oh. I think Brandon is their, their Babe Ruth. That's Ooh, at the that, Observer. Brandon? I'm sorry. I mean, um, like I said, when I was there, I was getting numbers, but I'm pretty sure Brandon's getting numbers over there. And it, it, no matter what, his reporting is sharp entertainment reporting. If you're a space fan who loves movies, which there's a huge crossover. Oh, shout yeah. out to Brandon. Massive. But Brandon does a lot of coverage on Marvel. I am a huge Marvel fan. When I talk about merchandise, this is a McDonald's toy from like 25 years ago. It's Wolverine. Oh and like, I love stuff like this because, you know, they're limited. And I have a giant, this is embarrassing. I have a giant what do we Thanos. Got here? A giant okay. Thanos. Yeah, Brandon's okay. going to yeah, love that. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but, you know, I love, I love merchandise. And I think yeah. that we live in a world of content, Chris. The world of content. Everything is digital. I think people are starting to appreciate having something in their hand. Like this is content. This is content. We need to think of this as content now. Yep. And those who do are going to make some money. Like you said I love about that. that example before. Um, so merchandise is always going to be part of our operation. Something that is the biggest focus is editorial. Um, and we love movies too. I, I know you people have noticed we do a lot of movie stuff. Clearly we came from movies. Um, so you're going to see a lot of cool 
stuff like the our space jam inspired supercluster shirt it's just and, too uh, clean it's too clean yeah and uh chris got lucky because they sold out in like a few minutes or something robin i bought this i was at a bar in uh where was i, I was in missouri at a wedding and i was at a bar it dropped mm-hmm. i literally took my phone out while i was buying a beer i swiped for the beer and then i swiped for the t-shirt you know what I yeah mean? that's a smart move man um yeah. dude when the uh we dropped our Starlink patch a while back. We did. We we knew we were going to do multiple editions of this, so we did our first one. It sold out in a couple of weeks. We didn't really promote it because we we wanted people who visited our website to have a reward to like, oh, they stumbled on yeah. it and they bought it. And then the second run, I tweeted it. I think it was gone in like ten minutes, and I was like, uh, I didn't even get one. I didn't get one. So the the thing is with these drops is that they're special. We don't print that many. I'm not going to say how many, cause I don't want people like lined yeah, up yeah. to purchase them, oh, but um, you're always going to see fresh drops. So if you miss something, there's going to be something just as cool coming up for sure. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Well, Robin, let's jump right into the biggest news of today for everybody mm. listening. I'm sure you heard by now, Jeff Bezos today finally made it to suborbital space He has joined the crew. He is now considered an astronaut. What are your immediate thoughts on today? How did you think the live stream went? How do you think that the whole experience was of Jeff Bezos going to space finally? First, I want to say congratulations to the engineers um, at Blue Origin who are gifted and um, who worked really hard for this day. getting anywhere near suborbital space or suborbital space or orbit wherever you're going is extremely difficult. Um, This battle that we're in against gravity is not easy for anybody and it's extremely expensive. So congrats to everyone. Congrats to Jeff Bezos. Congrats to Wally. Um, I think that, I think it's important that we celebrate today, but it's also important that we make the distinction between what it is and what space exploration is. What you've seen today is a celebration of ingenuity, absolutely. But it's also a celebration of marketing and advertising and PR and this idea of selling a thing. And quite frankly, something that's very expensive and inaccessible at this point. That being said, this needs to happen for it to be cheap at some point. And uh, it's just a, the process is never going to be pretty. It's sometimes going to be hard to swallow. Um, For me, I love space exploration. I love human spaceflight. I think there's glory and history to be made at all times when this is happening. When I see it turned into sweepstakes sometimes or turned into very commercial thing, for me personally, that's not an easy thing to swallow. But that's just me. There's plenty of people out there who love this sort of thing. And that is great. And I think that um, I think that the point should be made that this is an important step in human spaceflight and in normalizing it and making it cheaper. But don't expect that to happen anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And don't expect these companies to be classy about it. That's what I want. I think there's a way to do this in a classy way that makes it his- historical and make gives it a legacy. Are they doing that? I don't think so. I do. I disagree with a lot of their, their, uh, the way they're doing things in terms of like how they're handling the media, how they're putting out information. 
Um, at our level, we just want photos for our launch tracker. We just want photos for the astronaut database. Yeah. Like, why can't you provide these things? Other companies are providing things with, to us and other companies work with folks like Supercluster and other uh, news agencies to get the proper accurate information. Come on, most people are just clicking through to get some cool photos. You can't even provide cool photos. You know what I mean? Like, there's plenty to complain about, but I'm just happy that everyone came back safely. I'm glad that Blue Origin can fly humans because like I said, I'm, I'm putting faith in the company and the fact that they're gonna work their way up now and we're gonna see new Glenn fly. We're gonna see Blue Origin build colonies in space, quote, quote unquote. Um, and I wanna see all that happen. I'm not against it. Mm. Um, I do have some concerns about where the money comes from. Um, this whole thing where the passenger who bid 28 million back oh backed God. out because of scheduling. Um, I'm going to go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that was a load of bullshit. Really? Um, I, mean, yeah. I was watching the live stream. That guy would not quit. Like he was in so, the front right, like going crazy. So I think that they gave away a lot of, they gave away all the money. It's all gone. A bunch of, but, but by, they gave it away to a lot of nonprofits that really needed it and really deserved that. And I'm really grateful. Yeah, I saw space for But I'm wondering too is do the leaders of these organizations know where that money came from? Do they? Were they notified? If so, fine. But if they, when I see something like this happen, a PR strategy like this, I'm wondering, and remember, they waited forever for this whatever announcement that the guy changed his schedule or whatever. Like, scheduling conflict. Yeah. So I think the passenger who bid was likely a very problematic individual to deal with in a public relations sense. And when I say that, I mean, you know, what's problematic? Russian oligarch, Chinese billionaire, you know, some homophobic YouTuber. Um, there's a million, there's a list, uh, oil baron, Exxon Mobil CEO, like who there's a list of problematic folks who could have purchased that ticket that blue origin decided that they could not deal with in a PR sense, We're but they to, knew yeah. that it was going to come out one day. So what's an easy way to, to curtail that all give away all the demon, money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give away all the money. And then they swapped him out at the last minute with this, uh, 18 year old legend. Um, they chose the 18 year old because they knew that Haley Arkenau was going to be the youngest person to go to space. She'll be, uh, when she flies on dragon with inspiration Four. so they chose this guy, this 18 year old to get that one bullet point from SpaceX. Yeah. I don't know if I like that. I like so Haley. that was yeah. done. They stole Wally funk from Virgin galactic. She was supposed to fly in Virgin galactic. So when you, when you, dissect what happened here it's very by the book pr strategy mm -hmm. they just did it step by step um and i'll stand by that i i don't believe them a hundred percent that and this is coming from me not any company that i work for this is coming from me yeah as a as a person who has worked in space a while who has sources and contacts uh, all throughout the industry especially at blue origin and um i can tell you that there are uh, a half dozen lies associated with what happened the last couple of days. And that's with every company. I mean, the whole blue, um, Richard Branson, bless him. I love, I really enjoyed his space flight. I thought it was done with class. I love Stephen Colbert. I thought everything was handled correctly. Um, and I, I love their presentation and uh, I love the respect they had for space flight. 
Um, but he, he also fake rode a bike to the launch, you know what I mean? And then had to admit that they did, which, you know, whatever, I would have done the same thing. Like, but I, I didn't think that that was like a real, you know, initially think that was a real thing. I was like, oh, this is cool. But some people just read too much. I don't think that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this whole thing with Blue Origin is it, it's very, very, very sketchy. Today, well, there's definitely something sketchy going on. I knew it from the auction because that guy in the top right was not leaving that room without that ticket. It was like it was crazy. Now, okay, so the first, okay, two things on the internet today that I've seen on Twitter. The the biggest news stories from this launch is number one that the Blue Origin New Shepherd looks like a dick. Number one, and number two is that why are we spending all our money in space? Or like why are these people spending money? in space when we have problems on earth in your words how does space exploration improve our life here on earth in your words okay so first off gonna make a quick distinction what you saw today wasn't space exploration that's billionaires and rich people paying for space tourism someone's paying for it whether it's bezos donating a ticket it's a rich person paying for it yeah that's a private space um suborbital space tourism um, and uh, Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin are space tourism. Let's remember that. Why should people pay for... And uh, here's the thing. I want to also say, because uh, it would be an injustice not to, Blue Origin is funded by Amazon profits. And Amazon profits come from Amazon employees. <laughs> and um, in one way or another... When I, Blue Origin will say it's a private company funded by private investment, blah, 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 blah. But when, when Amazon doesn't pay taxes and gets a billion profit because it doesn't pay taxes and then Jeff Bezos gives that billion to Blue Origin, I mean, you paid for Blue Origin, right? We all know this. It's a, it's a matter of public record. Yeah. Um, we're how that money moves from there to there. Also, Amazon has a lot of issues with low pay low wages, and a lot of labor disputes. So we got to say that too, because we have to say it because Blue Origin gets that money. I'm a fan of The Wire on HBO. Follow the money always. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I, I'm not going to disregard those two things. That being said, let's push that aside. Let's talk about human spaceflight with NASA and, and Russia and China. Why should the taxpayer fund this? Because space science improves life here. We do pharmaceutical research. We do engineering research. The, the amount it costs to build on this planet because of gravity is way too much. Gravity costs money if you're printing cars or going to space. It's the same principle. Weight costs money no matter where you are in space, especially on Earth. So I'm saying that when we start building stuff in space, it's going to get cheaper when we manufacture in space, it's going to get cheaper. Discovery is important and pushing our consciousness forward. As a human race, we have always been a, a species that steps forward and, and is curious about what's on the other side of the hill. You know what I mean? We're always going to move. We're always going to look for what's next. Um, did we flounder a little bit doing that? Yes. Did we do bad things? Yes. Do we always push the frontier a little too hard? But discovering what's next and leaving the planet is in line with our evolution and with 
us being mammals and us being a bipedal species where we are running out of room here, which is horrible. We're draining all its resources. That's horrible. We should absolutely focus on, you know, fixing the earth, which I'm all for, but that doesn't say you can't stop space exploration. And let me tell you, if you need money to fix earth, space has very little of it compared to other budgets like the military and intelligence mm -hmm. and, uh, really, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? So I don't think it's fair to say, why are we spending this money on space? I was like, you don't know how little they're spending. It's almost Not nothing. A yeah. Lot, so, it's crumbs. Breadcrumbs. Yeah. It's crumbs compared to what we're spending on like submarines and warships and everything like that, you know? Um, but I just think that, there's always room for space exploration because, and now even more because we are privatizing a lot of it. We can do all these space missions on top of cheaper rockets. Like SpaceX launched, um, uh, SpaceX is launching science missions uh, for NASA now. And uh, I think it's the upcoming DART mission to like experiment with intercepting an asteroid. Oh yeah. Which is really, really interesting. Um, SpaceX launched TESS, which is helping us uh, look for exoplanets and spotting, you know, potential potential habitable planets uh, around stars. So when you think of spending money on space, yes, NASA gave money to SpaceX to develop Falcon 9 and Dragon. But what are we doing with those machines now? We're getting much more space missions. We're getting cheaper access to space. And now um, everyday people can have the opportunity to go to orbit on Dragon, like Inspiration4, which is a very interesting experiment. I can't wait for that. Sending ordinary people to space. Um, and we do have Tom Cruise uh, heading yep. to the space station um, with Axiom, um, uh, hopefully next year or soon, I don't know. But I wanna see that happen because I love, I'm, I love filmmaking, I love movies. Um, if we're gonna get a, a an, like a blockbuster movie shot aboard the space station. Um, that would be really cool. Let's hope, right? Let's hope. One of the I think the director is Doug Lyman, by the way. Oh yeah. Uh, the director of The Born Identity and Edge of Tomorrow. So yeah, Deke told us a little bit about that uh last week, which uh got everybody excited on my Instagram. One of the <laughs> funniest things, just to go back to Bezos's launch today, one of the funniest things that I noticed is whoever was like calling that rocket down, like the the announcer. That lady, whoever she is, I think she said her famous quote a little too early. Did you notice that? So, you know, on the Demo 2 mission, when they had that famous, like, Godspeed, Bob and Doug, right, right when the rocket was taking off, this lady, whoever she was, was like, let's light this candle. And then it was like, 19. Yeah, 18. yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, my God. You, you know what? She had nothing that's, to say. That's always going to happen. Um Live streams are going to always not be perfect and yeah. because they're live streams. And this is an industry of engineers and scientists every, and they're the ones doing the streams. So bless their hearts. That's why I'm here, Robin. You know what I mean? That's so, why I got my here's foot the in the thing. door. Here's the thing. I think they're all good at it. I'm going to say that, hmm. but everyone is going to have a hiccup here and there. Everyone's going to be caught off guard. Also with all the delays and holds, how can you blame them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can't blame them. So I've seen, listen, the most awkward person live is Elon Musk. That's the standard. So if you screw that. up, if you screw up, don't worry about it. Yeah, uh, guys. Uh, so if you don't know, Robin has actually 
asked Elon Musk multiple questions over the course of his life in different different events that you were at or whatever uh, yeah. you were doing on camera. What would be your next question for Elon Musk? <laughs> I know you've asked him about you. Yeah. One time you said something about you don't believe that he doesn't believe in aliens. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> but what we were would down be your, in Texas, yeah. Yeah, what's your next question for Elon Musk? Just so I know, when you ask it, I could be like, oh my God, like Robin broke that news to the space was supposed Oh, wow, you know that, I mean? that is. So here's the thing, and I'll think out loud with you. Um, I am planning to head down to Texas very soon okay. for Orbital Starship. Like um, that? So I will be there, and I, I will likely um, ask Elon a couple questions. And uh, I am starting to think about that. Um, so there's a couple of technical questions and not too technical because they want to fly Starship to Hawaii for the first orbital land it there. So like put it up, go around the planet and come back and land in Hawaii. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's so, pretty ballsy. Yeah. I hope that's public. Anyway, I'm pretty, now we'll cut that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. I told you. I told you. We were gonna get it. No, I'm pretty sure he tweeted it and stuff. But yeah, uh, I, I, my question for him would be, what would like, what would the first human mission look like? You know, like, and how far, how deep in orbital do you want to be for that? Because like, I feel like that is a fundamental sort of goal for a starship. Um, do you, like, let's say they make it to orbit in a couple months, right? How many of those do you do before you put a human on it? And will the first, and do you hop a human up to suborbital and come back down first? Because there's no like parameter for this in a way, because each company does it differently. Yeah. Every, every t testing is different for a lot of agencies and Starship is technically going to be a NASA spacecraft to return humans to the moon. So that will factor in to the testing of humans on Starship, like NASA's sort of insight, which will be interesting. And I guess I would ask him if NASA is going to control that or will SpaceX? Mm -hmm. Well, you know what I mean? Because, well, because when SLS launches for the first time, that will be a NASA crew for the first time. You know what I mean? Will, as a contractor going to the moon for NASA as a human landing system, will NASA require the first human tests to be NASA people or, you know, SpaceX people? Like, that's a very complex question. And I think I like, I would ask that question because Elon would not answer it and answer like six other things other than that. He would walk him, he would talk himself into a circle yeah. and break like 12 news items <laughs> and not answer my question. But it's one of those questions where I would hope for an answer, but he would end up saying something completely else and getting in trouble. That's amazing. Yeah. One of the things that scares me about Starship, I, so I love the escape systems of these new gen spacecraft, right? Like I feel, I almost feel more safe riding in uh, the SpaceX Crew Dragon than I do on Delta Airlines, all right? Because mm. on Delta Airlines, I don't have a parachute where I could jump out if something's going right. wrong. Right. On these new spacecraft, especially with Blue Origin, they have escape systems where if something goes wrong, you shoot off and you're good. Do they have something like that with Starship? Because it all looks like it's all part of one. And I don't know if I uh, if I necessarily trust the uh, the concept yet with no well, uh, here's escape the thing. system. Here's the thing. Elon has always made the comparison that rocket travel needed to be as common as air travel. And like they needed it to be as cheap as airline travel, 
Well, there was a third thing that he didn't say. That Starship has the same escape system as a commercial airliner, in a way. Actually, probably less than one, because, you know, and I, there's, I, I can say this from public knowledge and from what we know. We, we know very little about what Starship is actually going to be because there's, there's always going to be design changes. There's yeah. always going to be a million changes. I think the engineering is quite getting there. I think with the Raptor design and, and, and uh, what the engines are going to be arranged uh, like and that, for, you know, those first few test mission profiles, I think we kind of know there. But there's going to be changes after that. There's going to be so many changes. There's going to be so many adjustments. There, there's going to be adjustments for crew, for moon, for Mars. There's going to be variants of Starship. There's yeah, not going to be one design yeah. of Starship. So can we say that there's never going to be an escape system? No. Can we say that there's not one right now? Of course. It's it's not a thing yet. You know, and it's like, that's yeah. all I can say. It's like, we have to see how Starship evolves. As of right now, the concepts don't really have the kind of escape system that we've been used to with other mm-hmm. vehicles, but... What, what else didn't have that space shuttle? Is that a great example? No. Yeah, probably not a good example. But, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, but you see what I'm saying, shuttle. though? It's like, it's something we were willing to accept before. Um, commercial airliners are dangerous. Um, Boeing, um, especially, like they've lost many people the last few years. And it was recently the anniversary of TWA, uh, TWA Flight 800, which was a Boeing airplane. Um, and that uh, blew up right after it departed um, JFK Airport, um, right off Long Island. So, plane crashes happen um, all the time. That is the best case study we have for space travel. You know what I'm saying, Chris? Mm-hmm. Because people are going to eventually. I mean, it's probability. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a sad thing to say, but it's something that we'll have to embrace at some point. Mm-hmm. is that people are going to eventually die on one of these missions. People die from driving cars every day. People die from buses, airplanes, helicopters um, all the time. It's a matter of time. How the world reacts to it happening, the way that the company or agency acts after it happens will determine the future of that industry. So, you know, one of these space tourism companies, I don't know if, what plan they have. Virgin Galactic has already had a disaster. It cost them many years. They, they killed two pilots, right? Right. It, cut, it, it, it cost them many years. And um, that's just, I mean, that's the way, if you're getting into the space tourism business, Chris, death is going to be a part of your operation. It is fucked a, up. I mean, the MTA deals with this every day, the MTA. So why, why are you no matter how much prestige is involved with your company, how much investing in it. And that's the problem with death is that some of these companies are going to be publicly traded, right? Some of them are going to be connected to SPACs, whatever the hell that is. And um, is their stock and price going to dip when someone dies? What happens there? Does it go up when they fly again? At one point, does the risk become too much uh to manage in a portfolio. You know what I mean? What if, I don't know, there's just so many questions when you're talking about private space flight, because space flight, people have forgotten, I think, temporarily, that it is very, very dangerous and that we lost two shuttle crews and we lost Apollo 1. Mm-hmm. And we have forgotten about those disasters, I think. Um, 
because all this commercial tourism stuff is very flashy. Um, and uh, I don't know. We're not going to face it until we face it. Yeah, Apollo. I've been re- learning a lot about Apollo recently just because I'm about to make a ton of Apollo videos. I'm literally going to start at one and just go because I feel like people really need to learn about this. Apollo, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, Apollo 1 was just so fucked up. Like with right. the fact that the hatch was locked and the full tank of oxygen, I just, it gives me nightmare. So rest in peace to uh, um, those guys. But uh, one question I have for you is, what do you think? So you say Blue Origin, Jeff Bezos Space Company is a space tourism company. You said that very specifically. You go, this is space tourism. Now, what about the moon lander, though? Is that is that game still open? Can they still I mean, create the yeah, moon lander? I mean, sure, sure. When they do it, you know, when they do it, they'll be that. It's like, when, when is when did SpaceX become a human spaceflight company? When they flew humans. Mm-hmm. Um, when When Blue Origin has a rocket that can go to orbit, There'll be an orbital spaceflight company. Like I, I'm tired of concepts. I'm tired of cardboard spacecraft at conferences. I don't, that's not my threshold for, I don't care what uh, major media companies or whatever label these companies. I have to call them what they are, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, we have to make that distinction now because there's so many space companies. There's engine builders, there's rocket builders, there's suborbital rocket builders. There's small sat rocket builders. You know what I mean? There's all kinds of companies now. We can't, I think we can't be broad anymore just because a company has a concept. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. What are some things you're looking forward to this year? We got the James Webb telescope. Hubble's actually back online. Shout out to Hubble telescope. Shout Can out you- to Hubble. Yeah, Always. that was scary because that costs a lot of money to fix. For those of you who don't know, Hubble is a uh, telescope that gives us eyes into the universe. If you're listening right now, go to Google, type in Hubble Deep Field. Everyone, ba- everyone's heard of Hubble. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, my, my, my listeners might not have, okay? You know, we got a couple guys who, uh, you know, are... Uh, all we right, don't know where right. they are, right? but all um, right, all right, all right. one of the uh, one of the most famous pictures uh, it was the Hubble Deep Field. We basically pointed this telescope at the darkest part of the night sky. We had no idea what to expect, and once we got the image, we saw just hundreds of millions of galaxies outside of our own in the the most pitch black portion of the sky, and we were just mm-hmm. like shocked. So right. when the James Webb telescope gets deployed, finally, which will be Hubble's successor, what's one thing that you're looking forward to? Are you a little maybe scared to see what we might see? Do you think we're ready for it? What are your thoughts there? Oh, I'm ready for anything, buddy. I'm, I'm mentally there already. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm always, I always set my expectations um, at a reasonable level, but I think this telescope is going to change a lot of things for us in terms of what we know about the universe, how we understand its birth, how we understand other planets. Um, Exoplanets. Yeah. It's going to have a direct eye. Yeah. I'm very excited at the idea of analyzing the spectrum of light um, over exoplanets. Um, um, Analyzing the atmosphere using their light um, to see if their signatures for some of those elements that we're looking for. Um, and uh, I'm excited about all of it. I'm excited about black holes. I'm excited about just knowing anything that's not known. And the James Webb telescope promises um, a lot. And even if it's just a small portion of what it's promised will be life-changing for science and uh, discovery. 
Yeah. And, um, and most importantly, very nervous about the launch. So very nervous about the launch though. I just want to say that. And deployment. Uh, it's got to launch yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. got to deploy yeah, at the yeah, right yeah, place. Yeah. Cause you know, when the Hubble was first deployed, we had a massive problem with it and we actually had to send a crew up there yeah. that cost like billions of dollars to go fix it. Right. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the unknown, what are your thoughts on the UFO report? We have confirmed unidentified aerial phenomena. We have a problem, not in America, not just here. We have a global UFO problem. You yes, love the China, unknown. Yeah. China's having the same issue. Yeah. What are your thoughts? uh, I think this is, it's correct to say that this is a global issue. Um, So the Chinese have been kind of public about how they're going to tackle their issue. They're obviously deploying AI machine learning to track their UAPs in their, in their atmosphere. And China's never public about any weaknesses in its military, but they have been about this, um, which is very unusual, which means it does frighten them which means they might be open to sharing some of that intelligence with uh, America, I think, on the UAP phenomenon. I think it's that serious. The Russians. <laughs> so I've called some people over there. I have pretty good sources in Russia. And uh, they're acting cagey about it. Like my sources that I know in the government and, and their top, you know, their sort of media hierarchy talk to some people there. Cause I'm like the Russians at the end of the day, they love traffic. They love getting any, any news item they can break that brings their media companies eyes and ears um, is a win for them, anything. And they, they don't shy away from controversial stories like UFOs, aliens, things like that. Anything they'll bring in traffic, anything that makes America look weak or confused like UAPs and UFOs, <laughs> but they won't touch this topic. And I brought it to them and I'm like, you know, I was like, what's going on? And they acted really cagey. Um, Talked to some of their government, you know, sources that I know, and they are just really tight lipped about everything. And, you know, there's been, they're just refusing to go near it publicly. And which means something's going on with them. Some, there's some issue where they're confused about the UAPs too. Mm -hmm. And they might have sightings. Um, that are similar to what we're seeing here. What do you think about the specific line in within the big paragraph where it said they move with a degree of signature movement? What do you think about yeah. that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious. One of them, they tracked one of our jets like an upward spiral. That is not a random move. That is a, and then they they went up, and then they dipped down. You talking about the tic tac? Um, yeah. Yeah, Commander so I always I mix them up. I mix them up now because I'm always tracking new videos. Um, but I'll say this: I think that I don't agree with the scientific community and my community that it's can't be aliens. I don't agree with that. The way said he's I handling. A, it, you're I think that's a ridiculous. I would go as far as saying that's a ridiculous notion to write yeah. off aliens. If, if um, but that's just me. Yeah. That's just me. That's just me, Chris. You're talking um, about SETI, right? Uh, SETI is pretty vocal, but I'm, I'll say this. SETI is, they're on their own. I, I'm not even talking about SETI. I'm talking about like okay. other people. I have and a We're not going to name names. No, no, no. <laughs> and uh, SETI is a pretty broad thing. I think, I, I know a lot of SETI people who are open-minded. Yeah. And um, we work with SETI Berkeley, whom I love. And I think the two things are very separate, in my opinion. But 
yes, there's going to be study people who are fightly fighting against the language that's being used, but I'm even talking about the media. I'm even talking about the media, my own people who damn well know my opinions on this topic. So I'm not afraid to say it. Uh And I think they're all wrong by the way. Um, And uh, I think that there's much more data that they're writing off. They, the space community and space industry pretends to love the military, right? They like love the military, go space force. All the contracts come from the military. All the money comes from the military, but you're telling me that these, these, group of decorated top of the line test pilots who are like trusted with billions of dollars of equipment who are literally top of their game. These aren't like, you know, Flint, Michigan got recruited from a grocery store. These are like Ivy league, you know, Eagle eye pilots who are the top of their game telling you that they're witnessing uh, an object that is being controlled by an intelligence that we don't know about. And you're writing them off. I think that your love of the military is bullshit, first of all. Or you're at odds with embracing a something that challenges your own scientific, uh, you know, I, I don't even know what to call it. Your own scientific belief. house, yeah, yeah. your beliefs. I don't. You can't put. I don't know if I'll call it belief, but people live in these capsules. Like I have to believe this because this is what my academic path has taught me. Um, these are the facts that I believe and nothing else can exist, which when people come and online and say, it's never aliens. I'm like, that's like a person living on a small Island in the Atlantic ocean and saying that there is no other humans. Facts, facts, in my yeah. opinion. That's the way I see it. Mm. And I'm not afraid to be vocal about this because I am warning my, I'm warning my community and my friends all the time. Do not sleep on this story mm-hmm. because our community is going to fall behind when more revelations are made and more things come to light. Love that. All right. So I got two more questions for you, Robin, based off of that gun to your head. Okay. What is behind the unidentified aerial phenomenon? If you had to choose one explanation for UFOs, what or who is behind it? In your opinion. An, uh, an extraterrestrial civilization. That is my professional, that is me. I've been looking into this for years and I've looked into it recently before the, the documents, documents were made public. Like we could have used more documents, but there, I believe that what they didn't share with us is that they're seeing these things in space. Mm-hmm. And I believe that fact when it comes to light will open a floodgate of more information. I love that. I actually, and, uh, I, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think, I, do, I, I, I don't know. In order to understand and embrace this situation, you have to look at the data and you, people are choosing to write off data and write off professional um, opinions and, and, mm-hmm. and write off, like I said, we have, we have data, man. We have more data than that was even referenced in the report, you know? Mm. And um, I believe Bob Lazar, uh, the uh, person who worked at quote unquote area 51 or S4, I believe his story. I believe his account of what he witnessed and what he's gone through. Um, I've looked at the evidence on my own um, and I believe his story. And I believe that 
there might have been crashed vehicles in the past. And I think there is a connection to the space industry uh, through Bigelow Aerospace. And uh, I think if anyone is out there looking into the story, um, if you look at Bigelow's role in the story and, and the UAP investigation over the last two decades and connect the dots between Bob Lazar, Bigelow Aerospace, the Rockefeller Initiative, and even the Clintons um, during their era trying to get files disclosed. There is a long history uh, and, a, and a very large constellation of people that are connected together. And it just, what, here's the thing. The New York Times and Washington Post reported on a lot of the stuff I just referenced. Yeah. This is not me hey, hey, referencing random shit. This is uh, from the Washington Post, from the New York Times, from a lot of different places. Um, I think a lot of the folks looking into the story are looking at it from a military perspective, which is exactly what we need. We need them pressing the Pentagon, pressing the military. But I also think that the military and the defense industry is releasing these things for a reason and talking publicly for the reason because they really don't know. Mm-hmm. And NASA is supposedly going to be getting involved to some degree. I don't know if I believe that or if it was just Bill Nelson saying things because he was a politician. We'll yeah. never know. Um, but I don't know if there's more that the military can do at this point other than give the public the raw data. We have, yeah. You know, and uh, I hope that they do that. I think there's some good minds out there that can crack the story. If we get um, everybody together, yeah. Yeah, but I also think that media the people who are supposed to investigate stuff and do stuff, um, it's hard for them to convince their financiers to put money behind like a, a deep throat, you know, uh, all the president's men type investigation into the UAPs. Um, I don't know if you've seen that movie Spotlight um, that, or, you know, we need a crack team of journalists to take, a fresh look at the UIP history and situation, the current happenings of it. Um, and that takes money. You know, I wish Supercluster had the money to put together a unit like that to just focus on the UIP story for the next year. Um, but what that would cost? Half a million, yeah. at least. You know what I mean? And like, hell, I would love to do that. I would love to do that. But, you know, who's got the money? Yeah. Yeah. I have officially basically pledged that I'm going to use, you know, my following, I'm going to use everything I'm doing and I'm all in on this. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I want to be one of the voices in this next generation to kind of push disclosure and get better answers. And I think I could do it right now. Piggyback. Anybody can. Absolutely. Exactly. Anybody can, whether you have a space account or not, you know, it's just about, you know, educating people. on Be the long vocal, history. be vocal, yeah. um, do your thing, you know, do a podcast, do a, write an album, write a book, blog, do whatever it is yeah. that you need to do to get, you know, to talk about this stuff more. Yeah. So Robin, uh, last question of the day. I am, I have been in this community industry, whatever you want to call it for about, you know, seven months, uh, eight months now. Sure. What's some advice that you have for me? I have a long career ahead of me. Okay. Like I already told everybody, you know, I'm on a five-year plan here Hell for yeah. this space with Spo show to really blow up across the world, not just America, right across the world. I want to see, it's going to happen. I, yeah. You know what, man? I do a lot of things for the space industry. But uh, one thing that I do do that is more important is that I help with finding people the right jobs, finding right people for the right job. 
I'm good at spotting talent and investing time and talent too. Um, when I first listened to your show, I was like, yeah, this guy's going to be a star. Yeah. So, so what's, what's so a, you what's, have my endorsement. You have my endorsement. I love it. Um, I love it. Well, I'll give you some advice. Yeah. Let me get some advice here. Come on. Give me some cheat codes. All right. I need, I need some cheat Build, codes here. Always have. So I always call them like a superhero team. Like get like, you need like a squad of other space people. That's your squad. Mm-hmm. Make friends, have friends that can help you. Yeah. Have friends that could be a reference for you. Networking is the number one thing in space. You know, it's like having, being part of a community is the, the best part of being part of space because it's a small community. Um, I think I already gave you this information last time we chatted, but get your ass down to Cape Canaveral. Yeah, can I, how do I get that invite to the Inspiration4 mission? Who do I have to email for that? Um, I think there might be, creden- SpaceX might be opening credentials for that okay. to apply. So uh, I will forward you that link when they do uh, yeah, email that to the journalist. Definitely, we'll get out um, but there. But we'll- you got you to get your show down on the grass at Kennedy Space Center in front of the clock. That's what your audience wants now. Let's they go. want you out of your New York City apartment. It's great. And down in Florida. Um, and that is my, dude, whenever people ask me advice, that's my number one thing. Because if you want to immediately separate yourselves from the noise, you got to get down to where the action is. invest you gotta invest in it it sucks spending mad money to go to a rocket launch sucks but when i started doing it my first launch was scrubbed six weeks like five times so like staying down in florida is not easy but nowadays it doesn't it doesn't roll like that like chris you'll be down there for three four days max you know past one scrub two scrub not even but being down there bringing your audience with you down there, your listeners, your viewers down there with you is really important. Yeah. And just so everybody out there listening right now, when I come through, I'm getting the aux cord. Okay. When there's nothing going on, I'm playing my playlist. We're going to grill some uh, hamburgers and hot dogs and we're going to throw a party. uh, You know what? I always throw parties down at Cape Canaveral. I'm hoping you and I are down there. We should play. Honestly, man, I'm going to put you on the line right now. I'm not pressuring you. (laughs) <laughs> but you should come down for Falcon Heavy down when, in fall. When is Falcon Heavy? So I'm thinking right now, it might be somewhere in October, but I'll update y'all on that when okay, we have cool. better information. It's probably going to be mid to late fall. That, um, for Falcon Heavies, I always have like a big ass party or something. I like, love that. I love that. <laughs> like Let, me Let me DJ. Let me DJ. Dude, oh my God. Absolutely. Wait, last party we had, sponsored by A24. Okay. Thank you guys and, and Grand Army. Shout out they uh we had a bartender we catered italian food um it, we great. had cocktails man it was a really great party we had it for falcon heavy so if you come down and we're all down there um we will definitely have a super cluster party definitely i love it awesome well guys that concludes today's episode again thank you so much for coming out or uh joining me online so i want people to follow you on all social media so that's what, what's your social media Actually, follow Supercluster. Follow okay, at right. Supercluster HQ. That's that's where I want you guys to follow, um, because a lot of the things we talked about uh, on this show today, um, you guys can go check it out. Um, maybe we'll restock the Supercluster Space Jam shirt. But uh, let me tell you real quick. You're gonna love this, Chris. We uh, we made a UAP mission patch. Oh please, please, please! I need that. <laughs> I need Hold that. Up. ASAP. It's gonna be. 
it's gonna be up in an hour so uh pay attention and oh, uh, no, no, yeah no. there's a lot of cool merch coming if you're a fan of james webb we have a james webb patch dropping uh any day now um so yeah uh thank you so much for having me chris uh, i love your show um i love being part of your community on instagram um and uh i hope to see you go to space i hope it's none of, i hope it's orbit no pressure <laughs> hopefully hopefully well thank you so much robin have a great night thank you buddy